Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you guys for leading us in worship. You always do a wonderful job. That's uh, Jeffrey's brother. That's Jeremy Samplaski and uh, his wife, Mary Lauren, and appreciate them. Let's thank them again. What a great job they did. Thank you. you guys did great. Grab that for you. All right. Oh, no. All good. Good. If you have your Bibles left for you to turn with me in the book of Acts chapter 8, we'll look at verses 9 through 13. As you're turning there in your Bible, let me just say a word of thanksgiving and praise to God for so many of our church family. Brother uh, Jeffrey, you mentioned that, you know, the, the host homes, the, the volunteers, the, the people in our church who give their tithes and their offerings, they make uh, events like this happen. And so church family, thank you. You get to celebrate and participate with all of us and the great things that God did uh, Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. If you're a guest today, let me just say welcome again. I don't normally sound like this. I, I normally sound a little bit better. I sound like I'm, I'm just all still stopped up, and I am. And I hate to miss church. It's just one of my great uh, dislikes in all the world. And so I hated missing last Sunday to preach God's Word. I thank Daniel Van Cleef for doing a great job preaching on the wonderful topic of forgiveness. And my wife now is not feeling great, so Ashley, hello, you're at home. Along with many people, if you're at home and you're not feeling well, would you just raise your hand, let me see you? Okay, all right, I see you there. God bless you, I know it's going around, right? A lot of people are, are sick, not feeling well. Some people ask me, what is it? Is it allergies, cold? I have no idea. I just don't put one it on anybody, but I'm just so glad to be here, to be able to preach God's word, to be able to celebrate, you know? To be able to celebrate in so many wonderful things that God has done over the last several hours with our students. And I mentioned to them earlier, I asked how many of them were going to take a nap while I was preaching. They were just honest and they said that I probably will. So if you do, I said, that's okay if you take a nap, but just don't snore. If you start snoring, you bring attention to yourself. And so, but we're really proud of you guys. Thank you for just being so faithful. It's a blessing to see so many of you here and so good, Jeffrey, to see your parents. Uh, Terry and Sharon Samplaski, God bless you guys. Thanks for taking a Sunday off from your church and coming and worshiping with us here, and we're delighted to have you. Is she asleep, Hannah? Our grandbaby is asleep, so that's, uh, that's really, really sweet. I, I can't take credit for that, right? She's already gone to sleep. I didn't put her. I didn't put her to sleep. All right, so we're in the, in the book of Acts, and we are looking at a verse-by-verse, -verse, an exegetical study. Uh, that's a big fancy word. Exegesis just means we let the text dictate the rhythm of the sermon. And so I have no power. I have no winsome ability to make any changes in anybody's lives, but I know who does. And that's Jesus and that's his gospel. And so today it's going to be a very gospel-centric uh, passage of scripture. And we're going to look at it. First of all, you'll just walk through it with me and I'll bring you up to speed of someone who was a pseudo-Christian, someone who had a false conversion. His name is Simon the Magician. And then we move right into the gospel, right into really the focus over the last several days of our student ministry and really the focus of Great Hills Baptist Church as we center on the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing how the same God that we read about in the Bible, the God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament, manifested himself in Jesus the Christ, is the same God that is alive and well today, I mean in 2020, right now, right here in Austin, Texas, changing people's lives. And what a blessed privilege, an awesome privilege it is to be able to engage in the Word of God, to read it, and to practice it today. So as we read, I, I want to share with you 
kind of what, just kind of what is going on. So let me, let me read it to you. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery. Majuo is the Greek word. It's a, transliterated right into our English vernacular. It is the word magic. He practiced this sorcery, this magic in the city of Samaria. And he astonished those people claiming that he was somebody great to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest saying, this man, now notice this, this man is God. They attributed Simon, a Samaritan charlatan, a magician, a man who dabbled in the occult, in the sorcery, in the divination, and all those things that God prohibits us from doing. This man did them, and then he had the audacity to say that I am the very dunamis of God. That is the Greek word there, dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. He said, I am the very power of God. And they heeded him. <coughs> They kept on heeding him because he astonished them with his magic, with his sorceries for a very long time. But, oh man, love that word, but. Transition word, a word that is about to shift the focus off of the false and the pseudo and the magic and the arts and the darkness. And it's going to, all it's going to flip on its head. And it's going to focus on the gospel and Jesus. And it's going to be preached by a man by the name of Philip. But when they believed... Now, when the Samaritans turned away from their sorcery and their deception, they believed Philip. Y'all remember Philip? He was a great deacon at the First Baptist Church in Jerusalem there. Remember that in Acts chapter 6? I'm sorry, it's just a little joke. There were no Baptist churches then. He, he was a deacon in the church, and because of Stephen's persecution and martyrdom, he fled along with most of the Christians except the apostles. They stayed in Jerusalem, but Philip went out. And they went out sharing the gospel, the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he preached. Now, if you have your, your Bibles, if you have your tablet, your phone, if you have a pencil, or if you have a way, I would love for you to take a note right here. I love when the Bible does this. It's so fun when you see a word that just leaps off of the page. And I want you to look at that word preached. Uh, you see it? As he preached. Does everybody see the same word I see? The Greek word there is euangelizomai. And it sounds a lot like evangelism because that's exactly where we get our English word to evangelize. It's not the word caruso to herald. It's not the word leleo to teach or to preach. It is the word evangelism. So Philip, in the midst of all this darkness, the occult and all this divination and probably some necromancy going on and consulting the spirits of the dead and all those things, right in the middle of that, Philip said, be done with that. I'm here to tell you the real thing. Jesus Christ died and you want some supernatural? Well, get this. He arose from the dead. Hallelujah. That's the gospel. He preached that and he said, I'm preaching these things concerning the kingdom of God and Mm -mm. Come on now. Not only am I preaching the kingdom of God, I am preaching the name. The, not the name of Simon, not the name of Philip, not the name of Peter, not the name of John, not the name of any other name. I'm preaching the gospel today, Pete Philip might say, and I'm preaching the name above every name, the name Jesus the Christ. That's what he preached. Now watch this. <coughs> Jeffrey, just, just throw it to me. The one that's got a little water in it. Let me see if I can catch it. Oh, that's a good throw, brother. Bless you. Now, after he preached, it says both men and women were what? Baptized. You know, baptism 
is the natural response of somebody who's genuinely committed their life to Christ. It is an outward demonstration of an inward transformation. We're not ashamed of it because Jesus has died publicly, right, for us, for our sins. Before that, he was publicly immersed in water. Baptizo literally means not to sprinkle or, or, or not to dabble. It means to literally be submerged under because of the beautiful connotation and the significance. And those Samaritans, they did it. They didn't have to be talked into it. They didn't have to be coaxed into it. They just said, that's what we're supposed to do. Let's do it. Man, Jesus died for my sins arose from the dead and I get to publicly be baptized. Hallelujah. So they were baptized in water. And verse 13 said, and so was Simon. Simon himself believed, and when he was baptized, man, everything looks good, right? Says he believed, he was baptized, he continued with Philip, but here it comes. And Luke is going to cue you and me in as readers as to the false pseudo-conversion that Simon had because he's so amazed. He's so enamored with the miracles and the signs which were done. It does not say, and he was amazed with Jesus, and he fell in love with the Lord, and he, he wanted to spend time in God's presence. No, that's not at all. It was almost like this. Check this out. Here's Simon's conversion. Okay, I'm going I'm to reenact his conversion for you for just a minute, so you can kind of get a grasp of the pseudo nature of his conversion. Uh, well, okay, so, man, Philip, that's amazing. How do you, where do you get the power? Philip said, man, I'm preaching the gospel. Jesus died, arose from the dead. Okay, okay, what do I need to do that? Well, commit your life to the Lord. Okay, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need? Well, just accept Christ your Savior. Jesus, come to my heart, amen, be saved, baptized. Okay, good, good. Now, how do I do that? How do, how do I get that? Do you see the false dimension of it? It wasn't this genuine born-again experience where the Spirit of God comes in and inhabits you and changes you from the inside out. So today, what we're going to do is I'm going to just kind of recapitulate with you, summarize just briefly where we were in verses 8 through 11. But really, for the few minutes that I have with you this morning, man, I'm just going to share verse 12 with you. At the church, I tell you, I, I, when I don't get to preach for a week, I, I'm, it's, it's scary. I just, I, I just get so excited. Listen, I was in my bed for like eight days, and I'm reading Grant's biography, which is a pretty amazing. And I'm, and I'm, you know, you can only watch so much TV, right? There's so much golf and sports you can watch. And I'm, and I'm just, finally I get out. And I go, and the first person I see, I just want to share Jesus with them. You, you ever get like that? You're just so excited about the Lord, and he wasn't really interested, but I really was interested. And I just, and I just love Jesus. I love to talk about him in Austin, Texas. I love to preach his name. It's all about him. He is so awesome. It's about Jesus and his gospel, and I'm excited I get to share with you. All right, so today I want to begin with a 14-year-old. Anybody 14 years of age here? All right, nice. He was 14 years of age. His name was Ming Wang. Now, he wasn't from Alabama, all right? His name was Ming Wang. He was from China. 14 years of age, dad's a doctor, he's very smart. He wants to be a doctor. But something's going on in 1974, it's called the Communist Revolution. And in the Communist Revolution, they took anybody who was educated, anybody who was a threat to the communist regime, and they exiled them. If they couldn't kill them, at least they could exile them out of the city, out of the universities, and into the remote districts of the country. And and Ming Wang was one of those. 
But after the communist regime kind of faded out and there was a little bit of modicum of freedom that had come back into the country, he went back to school. And he found himself graduating from a prestigious medical college in China. But at age 21, he had the opportunity of all opportunities. And by the way, this country is still the greatest country in the world. And this young man had an opportunity to come to the United States. And that's not ethnocentrism. That's not just overly zealous patriotism. I'm just telling it like it is. This is an amazing, God-blessed USA country. And I'm just so grateful that I get the privilege to live in it. Aren't you? Man. (laughs) Get away, germs. Get away. He comes to the United States, he's 21, he has $50, that's all. He cannot speak English, so he has an English-Chinese dictionary, and he's an atheist. That's what he's got going for him, okay? He goes to Harvard, and a professor takes him out to lunch, and the professor loves Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that cool to have a Harvard professor who loves Jesus? And he takes Ming Wong out to lunch and he gives him a Bible. And this is really impressive to Ming because he's like, I don't even know what this is. And, and, and this professor is talking to him about Jesus. And then, then the professor really began to engage him. And he said, Ming, do you see that vehicle over there, that automobile? And Ming Wong said, yes, I do, professor. He said, um, what's the difference in that automobile and you and me and humanity? And Ming said, well, that's easy. We're a whole lot more intelligent than that automobile. We're very much complex. And the professor said, well, do you believe that over time that steel just kind of wrapped itself around those axles and tires just formed and that car just appeared? And he said, well, no. He said, that's impossible. And the professor said, and so it is with you, with your brain. You see, you're special. You're a whole lot more special than that car. You see, somebody created you and designed you, and it really got him to thinking. He's thought, nobody ever put it to me quite like that. He took that New Testament, he took that Bible, he began to read it, and, and years later, he accepts Christ as his Lord and Savior. He graduates from a dual program at Harvard and MIT. Now, in America, it just really doesn't get much higher than that, right? Harvard and MIT, he graduates as a medical doctor. And I was just recently introduced to him through Marcus Lamb in Dallas. He, he was telling me about this guy named Ming Wong. And so I have not personally met him, but through the internet, I got to know him a lot. And I'm so impressed. Today, he is an eye surgeon in Nashville, Tennessee. Somebody asked me how many eye surgeries he's performed. Oh, thank you, brother. 55,000 LASIK eye surgeries, 6,000 of those are eye surgeons all over the world. So when the eye surgeon wants to get eye surgery, many of them go to Dr. Ming Wang in Nashville, and guess what? He is a dedicated, consistent follower of Jesus Christ. He's written a book called From Darkness to sight, all the monies that he, and he's, and I, I want to, I want to be one of those that gives money and gets that book and reads it. All the monies, he takes it and he gives it away to help people and bless people. And, and especially those who are struggling, cannot maybe pay for the surgeries. And I thought, man, that's it. He got this 21 year old guy. 
He gets saved. He believes. He was baptized. And now in his 50s, and I think he's about my age, and what is he doing? Consistently walking with the Lord. Not a pseudo-conversion, not a false conversion. You say, well, what's the difference, Brother Danny? What's the difference between a Simon and a Philip? What's the difference in a Judas Iscariot and maybe a Ming Wang? Here's the difference. I want you to hear me closely, right? The difference is John chapter 8. Listen to this. Ooh, listen. Verse 31. Y'all forgive me if I'm talking real loud. I can't really hear myself. I, all I feel is a cloud. I just feel so stopped up in my ears and in my nose and in my chest. Mm, mm, I'm not in bed, right? Praise God. I'm in, I'm up and alive and preaching. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. John 8, 31 says, and Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. You ready? If you're ready, say amen. amen. They believed in him and Jesus said, if, listen to this students, this is pretty amazing. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you remain with me, then you are of me. If you start out in a bang and say, well, I prayed the prayer and I got baptized and, you know, but now I'm an atheist or now I'm, a, I'm practicing a lifestyle that's totally forbidden in the Bible. In fact, I don't even believe the Bible. Oh, but yeah, I prayed that prayer. But let, let me tell you something, friend. What happened is you had that Simon moment, that false pseudo conversion. You say, well, how do you know that? Jesus said, the people who remain the people who are walking with me, those are the true followers of Christ. Does that mean that we never sin once we become Christians? Does that mean we never doubt or we never have difficulties? Does that mean we never stray? No. It just means that we come around. I mean, we may, we may walk off the path and we may, we may just get ourselves in some trouble all along going, oh God, please forgive me. I need to, I need to come back. It is the coming back. It is the consistent, perpetual walking with God that you demonstrate that you are a true child of God. I hope that helps somebody today. It helps me, helps me in my faith. So, all right, <clears throat> we've read the text. We've looked at, oh, poor old Simon, blessing, mercy. With all of his sorcery, with all of his being consumed with his self. I shared this with you last week, but let me, let me share it with two weeks ago. Let me share this with you again. Simon... Irenaeus, one of the early church fathers, said Simon was the father of Gnosticism. He lived the rest of his life contradicting and challenging Peter and Paul. Now, would a true believer do that? When someone who really knows the Lord, would they constantly want to challenge the pillars of the New Testament, as we know it, the church? Hippolytus, the historian, said this same Simon buried himself in the dirt and said, watch this, in three days I'm going to rise from the dead. Well, guess what happened? He, he proved himself to be a charlatan, a fake, a phony. Why? Because even though he believed, he did not stay with the Lord. So here's the point of salvation. Here's the thing I want you to look at with me, and it's it's really verse 12, and it's my message today to you. It hinges on this word, but. But in verse 12 of Acts chapter 8, juxtaposed over against Simon, you have this man, Philip. Now, when they believed Philip, as he did two things, watch this church, 
He preached the kingdom of God and he preached the name of Jesus Christ. Let's stop right there for a moment. What does it mean to be gospel-centered? You know, students, as you've been studying this over the last three days, as all of your devotions and all of the worship and appreciate so much our staff, Jeffrey, just pitching in and helping out, you know, as you're focusing on the gospel. And here, here are two key components of the gospel. Number one is the kingdom of God. And number two, of course, it's all about the name of Jesus. Did y'all see that in verse 12? What does it mean when the Bible says, and Philip preached the kingdom of God, the basileia is the Greek word, the reign and the rule of God in heaven above, on earth below. Listen, when Jesus Christ came, the kingdom of God came. Jesus spent so much time talking about <clears throat> the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the rule of God, the infusion of God's divine life coming to earth. And then Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus says, let me tell you how kingdom citizens behave. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you are persecuted, when men say all kinds of vile and evil things about you, and so they persecuted the prophets before you. So when Jesus comes, he inaugurates and one day will consummate the kingdom. The kingdom has come, one writer said, it has come, but it's not complete. It has come in the person of Jesus and the kingdom of God spreads through the knowledge of the gospel and, and people all over the world are coming to faith in Jesus Christ and his kingdom is spreading throughout the world. But one day, when the king of heaven and glory comes back to earth, then the kingdom of heaven will be consummated. Aren't you glad that you know the king of kings? He is the king. It is the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, that has come. <clears throat> interesting, interesting, interesting. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Jot this down. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Go, go check this out. Students, when you go home and you crash and you wake up about 8 o'clock tonight going, oh, man, I'm just all messed up. You know, I'm all sleepy now. And it's okay. Eat something. You'll go right back to bed. It's a beautiful thing being young. You got this. But before you do, look at Acts chapter 1, verse 3. It says... Now, after Jesus has risen from the dead, watch this, and before he ascends to the Father for 40 days, he preached the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? The kingdom of God is the reign and the rule of God in the hearts of the people of God, preaching the gospel of God all over the world. And that's what Philip preached. Philip preached that Jesus has come and this is a new day. We're not into darkness and the occult. We're not in trying to bring up the dead spirits, the demonic spirits, if you will. And, and Simon was all in that. I'm telling you, I went to see a movie yesterday and you can hardly go to a movie in the United States of America and there not be an advertisement for some stupid demonic movie. I'm serious. I mean, yesterday I saw this. Oh, my word. Don't, don't, Brother Danny, calm down. Do not get started on that. You'll be here forever. Okay, I'm just talking to myself. I can't go there. All I can say is when you see these shock and awe and these horror movies, most of them are steeped in the demonic, and you should not go see it. 
Leave it alone. Oh, but it, it gives me the ibbie-jibbies, Brother Danny. And it, it scares me. And it's like, boof. And people's heads are twisting around. And, and these voices are coming. Woo! It, it just gives me the ibbie-jibbies. And I like to be scared. In Jesus' name, leave it alone. Just leave it alone. You don't need it. You, you don't need to go see it. Man, I was watching, I was trying to watch the movie and they were showing all this, and this, this little doll, this little boy. And all of a sudden, I'm sure this little boy is going to come to life and the demons, and I'm going to like, God, please have mercy. We're fascinated with that. Why does Hollywood produce one every, it seems like every week a new one comes out? Because people want to see it. They're fascinated with the supernatural. Let me tell you something. Why in the world would you want to engage in a cheap substitute when you can have the real thing? He's the real thing. The kingdom of heaven has come. Philip's preaching it. All right, number two. He preached the name of Jesus. And I thought a lot about that. What does that mean? When you preach the name of somebody, you preach their person, their position, their authority, and their power. And so Philip was so consumed students with what you've been consumed with and what I'm consumed with, and that's the gospel. I, I could just see Philip in my mind's eye in the midst of so much darkness, in the midst of so many Samaritans who have been duped and believed in all of these supernatural elements of darkness, and Philip, like a radiant blast of light, stands up. He says, I just want you all to know something. I'm nobody special. I'm not calling myself the great power of God. In fact, I am just a simple sinner saved by the grace of God. Jesus Christ, I'm preaching his name now. He came, you heard. It was just a few years ago, right? Samaritans, you heard. He came through here. He came through. He spoke to many of you. You remember who he was? Jesus Christ came from heaven. He was the son of God. He lived a perfect life among us. He taught his kingdom. He showed us how to be different, how to live a life that is measured by kingdom greatness. He was so kind. He was so compassionate. He would heal people, man. He'd touch people, they'd be healed. He would preach and people would have life. He would speak to people and things would happen. He turned water into wine. He healed lepers. He might even raised Lazarus from the dead. I'm preaching to you today, Jesus Christ lived, died, was buried. But on the third day, Samaritans, are you listening? I can just see them going, yeah, yeah, we're listening, we're listening. On the third day, I mean, the earth began to shake and began to tremble. Ooh, come on, the stone was removed supernaturally and up from the grave, the Son of God. He come out alive and man, we saw him. We saw him teaching and preaching and, and he's amazing and he ascended back to the Father and he told us, believe on me and I will forgive you of your sins. I will change you. I will give you a power that you've never had before, a power of light, a power of joy, not of darkness, not of shame, not of addiction, not of difficulty, but a power of light and love and peace and joy and happiness and goodness. And when you receive me, you receive Christ, you get it all. You get it all. And Philip's preaching this. He's preaching the name of Jesus. And sure enough, two things happen. Number one, they believe, verse 12 says. 
Don't I love that? They believed, they believed so much that, that Philip was telling them the truth, that they received Christ as Savior of their lives, watch this, and they demonstrated it through the waters of baptism. Now, they didn't have a church like what we have, this beautiful facility that God has blessed us with, but they went out to a local reservoir, lake, if you will, water or stream, and, or maybe in the Jordan River, I don't know, maybe they made their way east out of Samaria and they go to the Jordan River and they're baptized. And you just see this revival just sweeping through a Samaria. And by the way, it's the same today. A man of God who's anointed by the Spirit of God is preaching the gospel of God. And God does things that only God can do. God reveals to you your need, your sin, right? He shows you the ugliness of your sin and my sin. And he shows you the beauty of Jesus and how Jesus can forgive you and cleanse you and make you brand new and you receive it, right? And you say, God, thank you. I, I didn't have to earn it. I didn't, all I had to do was receive it. Oh, my word, thank you, God. And baptized, for sure, I'll go get baptized. Not that you, oh, I got a word. I don't get many original words. Here it comes. You get baptized, not because you, you have to and you want to go to heaven. You get baptized because you just love Jesus. You just want to tell everybody that, hey, I am following him in believer's baptism. I remember I got baptized. I was a preacher. And I had to humble myself before God, before my campus, our school, and before our preacher and everybody in school and go, you know what? I have never been biblically baptized by immersion. And I was just full of pride. And what would people think about me? And by the time the Lord got through with me, I didn't care what anybody thought about me. I was like, baptism, let me in. Woo, go down in and come up. And it's a beautiful outward act of what God has done in your heart. And I didn't mean to get all up, excited all up in your grill about baptism, but I wonder what other things you're disobeying God about. I mean, it's really simple. Go, believe, be baptized, and then watch what God will do. Okay, let's see. Is my water still here? Amen. There it is. Mosab Yusef. He's not from Texas either. Mosab Yusef. He likes to be called today Joseph. His dad was the leader of Hamas. Does anybody know what Hamas is? It's a terrorist organization in Palestine. Mosab is in Jerusalem. He is invited to a Bible study. This guy from the United Kingdom, true story. I'm going to talk about his life from 2000, 2011, and just last year. Mosab Youssef, whose dad is the Palestinian leader of Hamas, this terrorist organization. And this guy says, hey, young man, we're going to have a Bible study in Jerusalem. Would you like to come? And he goes, well, sure. So he goes. And lo and behold, he hears the gospel and he believes in Jesus the Christ. I want to tell you something. That's dangerous. In some places in this world, that is a very dangerous proposition. 
Mark Kelly, who gave us this story, says, and I quote, that simple, almost anonymous invitation to visit a Bible study eventually transformed Joseph's life. And now he is sending shockwaves throughout the Middle East as he publicly declares his faith in Christ. A hated man who gladly bears his cross for the cause of Christ. 2011, he wrote these words, most Christians I have seen seem to have missed the one point that Jesus redeemed us from religion. <laughs> he said all religion. He's redeemed us, whether it's Islam, Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, animism, or any other ism. Religion cannot save mankind. Only Jesus can save mankind through his death and resurrection, and Jesus is the only way to God. What? He's preaching this. Last year, the Washington Post ran an article <laughs> about his brother named, oh, good luck with Suhib, I think. Suhib. He also left the Hamas group. I shared this with you. I wanted to bookend my sermon with Ming Wang and Mosab, Yusef, who goes by Joseph. And I wanted to give you some timelines, some datelines of, yes, they believe, right, right? Anybody can believe. But the proof is, do you continue to believe and walk with God throughout your life? Okay? And these guys, though persecuted, through, going through major violent upheavals in their family and yes, their faith. I mean, that's what he was, a practicing Islam and Muslim and he comes out and he receives Christ and now he's this hated man and he's preaching the gospel. And, and, I, and I, wanted to, I wanted to leave this thought with you that many times coming to faith in Christ is costly, may cost you some friends, teenagers, may cost you some places and some websites that you should no longer go. But what a small price to pay for the Son of God dying for my sins, rising from the dead, and allowing me to go to heaven. If you're here today and you would say, my faith may be spurious, my faith may be false. I think it's my grandmom's faith. I don't think it's my faith. And you know, you know, you know, because it's the way you live. Your belief is not commensurate with your behavior. You say, yeah, I, I believed in Jesus. I accepted him. I got baptized. Now I live like the devil and I don't really care. You think something might be wrong? You think, you think, you think it might be. What if you do this today? Maybe you do like I did when I was 19, confused, really confused. I don't know if I'm going to heaven or hell. Lord, let's settle this now. God, I, here I am. Forgive me. Save me. Come into my life. Peace of God, forgiveness of God, following Jesus, get baptized. I was 19, I'm 55 now, and I, I tell you, I love Jesus more now than I did when I, when I first met him. He's so, he's so amazing. I, I, I could never, I could never walk away from him. Why? Because the Spirit of God is within me. So you here today, you may be one of the students, you may be one of those, those crusty curmudgeons church members going, this is all for the students. There's nothing to do about me. I'm just ready to go to lunch. Shut up. Let me go to lunch, you know. It is for you. It is for you. 
It's for all of us. Receive him. Be, be born again. Philip preached, they believed, they were baptized, and they turned the world upside down. Praise God for the gospel. God, we love you today. We praise you. Lord, thank you for the gospel that changes lives. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation unto everyone who believes. Great Hills Baptist Church, to the Jew first, and then to us, the Greeks. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God has been revealed from faith to faith, for the just shall live by faith. Thank you, God. With your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, I want to invite you to do something. And you at home, in front of your television screen, in front of your computer or your iPhone, would you do this? Would you just praise the Lord with me for the gospel? Would you just, in, your, in the quietness of this moment, say, thank you, God, because on a certain amount of day, a certain year, I received you as my Savior, and you changed me. And I'm on my way to heaven. I'm not perfect, and I fall, and I sin, and I know I grieve your heart sometimes, God, but you always bring me back, and I love walking with you. Lord, sometimes it's three steps forward. <laughs> And it's two steps back, but thank you, Lord, you don't give up on me. Would you just thank the Lord? I'm thanking him right now. Thank you, God, for saving me, changing me. Thank you for being patient with me. Maybe you're here today and you would say, that's what I want. I, I want that relationship with God like what you've got and what other people have. Well, you can have it. You just have to come to that point where you just surrender all and just say, God, here it is, here's my life, take it. I'm tired of playing. I'm tired of, Lord, I'm just really tired of being tired. Just change me, Lord, from the inside out, and I'll follow you, and I want to serve you for the rest of my days. Would you do that today? And as you do that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell somebody. I want you to publicly declare your faith. Tell your friend, tell me, tell a pastor, tell somebody, and then follow the Lord in baptism. And then let everybody celebrate with you this, this resurrection life, this new life that God has given you. I'm so glad that you're here today. I'm so glad that you're listening through our social media outlets. I'm so glad that somebody invited you to Great Hills Baptist Church and you heard the gospel. God is not against you. God is for you. God loves you and God wants to give you his best. So I invite you today, would you receive him? Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gospel. Father, I just feel in my spirit, there are people being saved. There are people online. There are people in this room who are receiving the Holy Spirit for the very first time. The blood of Jesus is cleansing them from their sins and they know it, they know it, just like I knew it. Lord, bless them, help us walk with them. Help us to encourage them in their walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Dude, man. So why are you so excited? What happened? What happened? Here's what happened. God woke you up today. He put breath in your lungs. He gave you a car. Or you may have taken a bus. You made your way to Great Hills Baptist Church and you ate something on the way. Your belly was full. Now I preached a long sermon, now it's empty. 
You came and saw students testifying, wow, testifying for the gospel. And then you hear this crazy radical preacher spitting and coughing and hacking and telling of the glory of God. Let me tell you something, friends. We have been blessed today. We have come in the presence of God today and we're changed. We're changed by the presence of God. Do y'all see why I can't stand to miss? Somebody help me. A Sunday. A FOMA. I guess I'm a FOMA dude, right? Students, tell us what that means. Fear of what? Missing out. That's right. I have a fear of missing out. I want to be here whenever I can get here. In our Wednesday night group, we got about 15 guys I'm getting to teach and disciple on Wednesday night. It bothered me last Wednesday night that I didn't get a chance to be there with them because I don't know that they know this, but they do a whole lot more for me than I do for them being in their presence as iron sharpening iron. So man sharpens the countenance of his friend and, and we're growing deeper in the Lord. And I, I love that. I love what God is doing at Great Hills Baptist Church. Is anybody interested? Anybody, anybody want to give your life to Jesus today? Well, good. You're in the right place. Anybody want to join our church, become a member of Great Hills? You know, I often think about the people who visit our church for the first time. I know you're laughing. And I laugh too. I wonder what they think. I mean, I think, and then I don't worry about it. Because if this is where God wants them to be, then this is where they'll be. They'll go to our new members class. They'll get plugged in. They'll start serving. And the kingdom of God just keeps growing and moving throughout Austin, Texas. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a, an invitation. And we, we won't linger long. If the Spirit of God moves and people's lives are being changed and this altar is full, we'll keep singing. <laughs> <coughs> Don't shake this hand. Shake this hand. All right, this is a good, this is my good hand. Turn on this here, 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 here. Would you stand with me? Was Jeffrey, is he back there? I mean, Jeremy, is he back there? Amen. Jeremy, Mary Lauren, Hillary, let's sing. Let's sing to the Lord. Pastors, you guys come on down, join me. Let's pray. Let's do business with the Lord today. Y'all come on, y'all sing. God bless you as you come.